This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI-audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you once again. I've got Sean Priest somewhere in a shed in Manchester, England. Hello, Sean. Hello, Stephen Scott. It is I, Sean Priest. <sighs> I've got Tim Schwartz as well with me. I didn't mean to put that massive sigh before, but I've got Tim yeah. Schwartz uh, with us as well <laughs> in a house in America, in a proper place of residence. Hello to you, Tim. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Sean. Yes, I am in a proper place of residence in uh, in America. And feeling bad for you guys always because I have air conditioning and, and you guys are boiling usually. So, yeah, do you know something? I, I'm 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 going to start the trend in the UK. I'm going to be the first to do it at home uh, and get air conditioning put in because I I just can't live like this any longer. I've been working from home now for so many months, and I know we all have, but I just I cannot handle sitting in a room with closed you know windows and the blinds are closed the, the curtains are closed that's that's by the way not because of anything to do with work that's because the neighbors request that's because you're strange <laughs> yeah yes. they don't want to, to see me um i'm in a garden shed it's coated in rubber and insulating foam and i'm a larger gentleman so yes heat is a problem i demand air conditioning well you can demand it um, <laughs> okay. good luck with that uh, yeah, but on. yeah so yeah, I don't know, you can you can contact HR of Double Tap. I don't know, is that a thing? Uh, you'll find out when you try and contact yes, them. I'll send an email. Um, yeah, exactly. Send an email to no one cares at uh, Double Tap. <laughs> so right, um, but look, I, I want to kick off. I mean, I have to be honest. You know, we're starting this show here. I, I've just run up the stairs, and yes, I did run up the stairs yeah, we heard. to get to you guys. Yeah, I was. Well, so my neighbour just sort of literally drops in a second before we start uh, because I've taken in a parcel for them. Uh, because that's what we do. We're, we're nice neighbours. Stole it. Well, do you know, I, was, I, was, I actually did shake it a couple of times. I, was, I wonder oh, what's in that, because it was kind of heavy. You can't it, resist. It felt like tech of some kind. You could smell the tech. Can I also Sniffer tell you dog. something? Can I tell you something? I, I also dropped it yesterday, so I hope it's not glass, <gasps> because I did break drop it. What, were you trying to test it, like the keyboard? You tried to test it by dropping it on your desk? wonder if it is a keyboard, Stephen. You should sniff it out. I know you can sniff out a good keyboard. I, well, do you know, I can sniff keyboards, and I can break keyboards as well. I have to say, though, I didn't break this <laughs> uh, Logitech keyboard. Um, this is... Uh, yet. Not yet, no. I'm not going to do the drop test again on it. I know this is maybe a new way of testing kit. Terrible um, way, yes. I'm, I'm not sure about trying it on a new MacBook Air, if I'm honest. <laughs> I'm not sure how that will work. Um, uh, no. No, I think maybe not. But yeah, so uh, that is, is one thing. And then, Tim, you're kind of out of whack as well because your alarm didn't go off when you hoped. What is oh, it with alarms? Oh, it went off. It, it went off. It just didn't snooze like I had hoped. That was the problem. Ah, <laughs> Tim yes. snoozed. Tim yeah, snoozed, Tim snoozed the but uh, the, the alarm did not, so I have to check that, make sure I have the snooze turned on. I think that they, they really need to develop alarm technology better. For all the improvements in technology, alarms, they're still pretty rubbish, aren't they? I mean, really, you should have an alarm that's got a bit more personality to it. You'd think that Lady A could do this, where, you know, for example, you... Um, you say to yourself, right, okay, I'm going to get up at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, and you say, uh, set alarm at 8 o'clock, and it says, yeah, right, we'll set it for half 8, and we'll hope for the best. Uh, you <laughs> know, and then when it wakes you up, it kind of just gets gradually louder, and even when you tell it, you know, stop, I'm up, you have to sort of put your feet on the floor before it will, before it will actually stop ringing. It's like, you know, it has to know for absolute certainty 
that you're awake. So you need some sort of feet pads you've got to put your feet into. So what you're looking for is a constant nagging. I mean, that's what marriage is for. Oh! oh. He went there. He went there. Sarah, we love you. We we love you. Well, um, we do, yeah. No, it's, it, not it's that funny that you say that because for a while I had actually, believe it or not, on my iPhone, because you can set music for your alarms, and I set the eighteen twelve overture oh, because it's fifteen yeah. minutes long. It so it starts off very slow, very soft, mm. and you know, very melodic, and then slowly Copyright builds, free. Good, slowly good builds, works, slowly yeah. builds. And about the ten minute mark, you're Cannons. getting cannon shooting <laughs> off, and and you know, big brass and, and all this. And so, yeah, I slowly get woken up with the eighteen twelve overture, and by fifteen minutes, which is usually about right for me, maybe maybe more. Um, the I'm, trouble I'm with that is that it's just <laughs> so easy to say you know lady a shut up uh even when you're half asleep the best yes. one i ever saw and this was a, a couple of years ago was one that actually ran away from you so it was like a it was like a tube <laughs> and it would go off and as it was going off it was beeping and bopping like a r2d2 and it would roll away and you had to pick it up so you had to chase it yeah I that sounded that. amazing i never yeah. got one because i knew it would drive me crazy but that's got to be the best alarm oh i could never do that no and you never find it again yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> well that's because i would have thrown it across the room or thrown it out the window yeah. i remember one i had when i was a kid and it was a thunderbirds one it was thunderbird 2 you know the, the the big one if you remember it used to sit it used to kind of come out of its little layer and then the trees would fall back and it would roll down to whatever it would take off, and then the, the kind of ground would raise up, and off it would go. And that was the bit that you got. So you had this little runway, if you like, that it's sitting on. And what would happen is, in order for you to stop the alarm, you had to lift it up, you know, so that it sounded like it was getting ready to take off. And you would have to take it off the alarm, oh, take it off the, the thing, the little dock, and then that would nice. kick off. The problem was that it was so loud that it woke everyone in the house up. So the whole family used to go crazy in the morning if I wouldn't take this thing off. And, of course, the easiest thing to do was just to whack it and then, you know, Thunderbird 2 would go flying and that was it. F-A-B, you know, it was, there's it was a pillow stop. coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just, it was awful. But I I've never really found a great alarm and I thought Lady A would be it. But, She's you know, the fact amazing. that it's got microphones in there, well, the thing is, I mean, it could detect snoring again, right? So it could say, right, oi, you know, stop falling uh, back asleep. I don't snore, so I you wouldn't know? know. That wouldn't Ooh, work. Ooh, there's an idea. Exactly. See, it could be yeah, They can detect glass breaking and, and alarms and things like that. They should be able to detect snoring. Let's get on to that. Let's that, get that that's done. That's an idea. You should patent that and send it to Amazon. Double tap alarm on sale now. Um, trademark. Copyright. Yeah. <laughs> get it trademarked. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I want yeah. to talk about Braille this week. Now, stay awake, guys. Come on, Tim. I don't want to send you back to sleep. Um, Set the alarm. I'll learn it one of these days. I'll, I'll, I'll to get back Come to the on. lessons. I, I started with lesson one. I, I, I <laughs> well did. done. We all started with lesson one. That's <laughs> where you stopped. <laughs> Getting to lesson I, two. That's the key. I, I didn't quite make it to lesson two, but I'll, I'll oh, get no, there someday. I, I'm, I'm loving the Braille thing at the moment. Uh, but there's one thing about Braille that really irritates me, and that is uh, Braille input. I'm not good. I'm not fast enough. I think that's the problem. I'm a touch typist by nature. We all are, right? Because that's one of those things that I think was the only good thing I got from school was the teacher said to me in IT class, it wasn't called that then. It was called Office and Information Studies. That tells you all Oof. you need to know about what they thought about Secretarial school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Secretarial school. And, and that was what they said to me. The only job you'll get is in a, 
a, some kind of administration role. And I, I don't mean President of the United States. Well, never say never. Uh, Ronnie, well, yeah, these days, who knows? I'd rather you. Well, thank you, yeah. I don't know if you would, but um, if, if you think Trump I, knows nothing. I, well, um, normally, no. Now, yes. <laughs> anyway, go on. But, but this is the thing, right? So I, I thought what I'll do is, I, you know, the, well, what they said to me was the best thing you can do is learn to touch type. And now at the time, I thought, mm, this is really boring. And we did it in typewriters in those days. Um, and, you, and, you know, what they did was we had no money at our school, clearly. We used typewriters. And in order to shield you from seeing the, the, the keys uh, or seeing where your fingers were on the keys mainly, um, they would put a piece of paper over them. <laughs> that wasn't annoying at all. Um, Didn't that sort of get, get in the way of actually pressing the keys? Yes, it did. Yeah. It was kind of you know, over your hands, right? So just kind of like sitting there. Uh, so you had to balance the you. paper okay. on both hands. So you would do a little juggling act whilst you were typing. It was ridiculous. But actually, it proved to be really good. And I have to say, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because it, without... And it was. I mean, well, I have to say, um, getting the married... best thing that ever yeah, happened no, to getting you? Getting married, my dog... <laughs> now, my house, now you're family. insulting your wife. I'm wow. insulting everybody. I don't know what's happened yet. Yeah. For it's Sean, it's the you, best skill you could learn. That's what I'm trying to say and failing miserably. Yes. Yes. Um, but it was. It was the best skill I ever I did learn because I, I loved it and I loved being able to do it. And it was, it was it made such a difference to my life because it enabled me to, to use computers. And as site got worse later on, it never really affected me because I was able to always operate the, the keyboard. So that's a long way of saying that <laughs> Braille input, obviously I haven't done. Um, I've maybe done bits and bobs here and there. And obviously with the training, you learn as you go. But, you know, I, I'm not good at it. I've only been doing it about a year. So I'm not that that quick at it. And I'm finding it, it annoys me. So what I almost want, what I would love, is a Braille display that's got a QWERTY keyboard that I could connect to a PC or a Mac or my phone or whatever, basically, a Bluetooth device of some kind or connect it via USB, whatever. And uh, then Humanware comes up with the Mantis Q40, which is exactly that <gasps> they're like your fairy godmother that's beautiful <laughs> that takes a lot of money off you for buying technology <laughs> yes um mantis q40 the q stands for qwerty the 40 stands for 40 cell braille display uh this is a 40 cell braille display underneath a laptop style keyboard so it's not a full-size keyboard it's not got the well, i always call it the packet of six but it doesn't sound right the panel of six the uh, you know what I mean the home key the end key the delete key the six pack the six pack okay. oh so, well done you see I didn't know that because it's been a long time since I had one of those yeah we don't know what that is I think the last time I had a six pack was as a baby um, I still have a six pack I'm just carrying it in a cooler <laughs> <laughs> so a full size layout keyboard has the separate number pad on the far right and then next yeah. to that it has its own area for the cursor keys. And also those six keys, which are page up, page down, home end, insert, and something else. Yeah, so that's that's my kind of preferred choice. That's why I love this Logitech MX keys. And if I could get that with a Braille display added on, life would be amazing. Now, a lot of people say, well, you can have that because you can use your Logitech MX keys that I've got. And I can put a Braille display in front of it. Yes, you can. But you're constantly jumping all over the place to, to try and input. You're jumping from your yeah. display, you're passing keys that you might accidentally press that will then have an impact. And the other thing is, and this has been the key thing for me, having to learn how to use a Braille display using Braille input, not uh, QWERTY input, with Windows. That's a whole other set of commands. I mean, you think Braille's difficult, and it is. You've got that mixed with 
all, all these key commands you have to learn and keystrokes. Um, and, and I'm just, my brain can't take much more, quite frankly. I've had enough. So for that reason, I'm looking at this. I, I had a chance to play with it a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, Humanware in the UK sent me one out to try, which I was really pleased about. And it gave me the chance to get a sense of how this works. Uh, it's a good display. I think the keyboard for me is just a bit spongy. That's the only criticism I really have of the keyboard. It's not quite the the firm the firmness of keys that you get, say, with a Magic Keyboard or with these Logitech keyboards. I'd have liked it to be a bit firmer, but okay, a bit spongy. But conversely, the Braille is spongy as well, and I like that. I like spongy Braille. This is a new thing. I'm I'm all on in on this spongy Braille thing. Um, if you haven't tried spongy Braille, <laughs> then you must. Which nobody has. Uh, <laughs> Well, you have if you've used a focus display, uh, or Freedom Scientific, I guess, uh, Focus uh, 14, Focus 40. Uh, If you've used a humanware uh, Braille display, you will have used spongy Braille. And basically what that is, is as your fingers are running over it, the Braille cells, the little uh, pins will start to sort of bend down or or push down so that as you're reading, it's not as sore in your fingers. Whereas the Orbit Reader, for example, it has uh, what you would call signage Braille, which is very hard Braille. And reading for a long period of time, that can actually be quite sore in your fingers. It is better for people who have issues with sensitivity. So if you do have issues with sensitivity, you definitely want something like the Orbit Reader. Not to say there's anything wrong with the Braille on the human wear or the Focus, but I think for long periods of reading, you'd probably get more out of the the other one. Um, but my experience was that the, the, the Q40 Braille was excellent. The, the system works by uh, essentially connecting to other devices. Now, this is the first of its kind. There have been other QWERTY keyboards with Braille displays, but those have been note takers. So, you, you know, yeah. you could just use it as a standalone device. Um, some of them have had apps. Some of them a bit of connectivity in it, but it's all been very basic and all based on, what was it, Windows CE they used to put yes, on some of these devices? Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, really? Windows CE? <laughs> Still selling that as well, the uh, the one from Hims. Yeah. Um, and that's that's just, I can't even get my head around that. But yeah, I, I like the fact that this can connect to a device, so it means it's it's staying modern because of the technology it's connected to, and it's more, it's certainly more fit for the 21st century, I think, this thing. Um, you can connect it to five devices, and the one thing I, I think is maybe, it's not, it depends on how you feel about this. I, I find I want a quick way of jumping between devices. Like, again, I go back to this Logitech keyboard. I can very quickly jump with the function keys to one Mac or a PC or a phone from the three separate keys that sit there. Whereas with the Mantis Q40, you have to go into the Mantis. It has its own sort of system, if you like, that you operate via certain key commands on the keyboard and the real display that's separate to whatever you're connected to. And... That you have to go into, you've got to go into Bluetooth, you've got to choose the Bluetooth device you want to connect to and then enter on it. So it's a bit more involved. But at the other side of the coin, you always know what you're connected to. So there's that. Uh, But it's not easy for quick switch. That's one thing I wish they could bring in, some kind of quick switch. And maybe they could do that via a key command. Yeah. Um, Maybe that'll come. Who knows? Um, If you can key command to get to the menu, then you must be able to do a key command. You know, someone could create a macro somewhere that could do that. You know, that that I mean, it makes sense, especially five devices. I haven't seen a a device that connects to that many via Bluetooth. Well, I think most devices can connect. I mean, you know, you've got Plantronics, Tim. They can connect a good few devices, can they? Is it three? It's usually three. I've never seen above. It's usually three. Usually only two simultaneously, but I think three. I don't think it's any more than that, but it might be. 
Thank you, Tim. Drive. Yes, Tim's backed me up there. <clears throat> Thank you. Well, there was, there was, yeah, well, for that device, that's right. But there's also devices like the, I can't remember the name, it was like the Ultimate Years Wonderboom speaker that can connect to eight devices. Oh, well, that's ridiculous. Which is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so it's so obviously Bluetooth, depending uh, on, you know, you know what you've got whatever the device is it can connect to a number of devices now again the key point is here you're not connecting simultaneously which you wouldn't want with a pc keyboard (laughs) start typing on one computer then suddenly 20 computers are uh, displaying what you've just typed in um but no it's a good keyboard i like it i like the menu system in it as well I, i i thought i would struggle with that and i didn't uh, it's a very simple menu system with basic settings in there. It does have its own things built in, like it's got a calculator built into the unit. It's got a clock built in. And I might think, well, okay, that's very basic. But bearing in mind who this has actually been built for, this is a product that came out of a, an arrangement between Humanware, the company that's ultimately designed this, and the American Printing House for the Blind. They've built this for blind kids in education. And the idea is that it can connect to a computer, but it can also act as a standalone note taker. And that, again, is key. And another thing that I must admit, they're not selling on this. I think they should sell it on the basis of being great for people who, like me, go into a lot of meetings and don't really want to take something in this, like a laptop with JAWS on it. Because then I'm having to listen to what it's saying and try and engage in a conversation. Whereas if I'm just trying to quickly take notes... I just want to use a very simple display to do that. Now, of course, you can do that with any Braille note taker. Yeah. But having the QWERTY input means I can take those notes more quickly, check what I'm writing on the Braille display. So, you know, I think it might be the perfect Braille display in a lot of ways because it fuses wow. QWERTY that a lot of people like to use. And a lot of people, pe- especially nowadays, people are using more QWERTY input, I guess, um, and Braille display. So if you're a QWERTY user, use a Braille display you now don't have to take two bottles into the shower. You can just take one. Although don't take the Mantis Q40 into the shower. I've heard it doesn't fare well. I didn't try it, but I've heard that. And don't try that. Anyone listening? No, please don't, don't try, try that. No, no. I've got don't so many money. questions here. Go. Firstly, where does the Braille display sit in, in relation to the actual keyboard? So if you imagine where the space bar is on that, on that bottom row, just below that, you've got a little gap, and then the Braille display sits just below that. So you're... The, the size of this unit is essentially like a, a laptop keyboard. If you think of the Magic Keyboard or any of those kind of laptop-style Bluetooth keyboards you would get, it's just a little bit extended out at the front with the Braille display in front of that. So when you're typing away, you've got both hands on the home keys, your JKLs and ASDFs. Yeah. So when you want to read something, how are you actually reading that without taking your hands off? Are you using your thumbs or do you actually take your hands off? Well, you would have to take your hands off to get to the display. There is an argument to say that perhaps the display would be better above the keyboard rather than below it. I was just thinking that, because, yeah. because yeah, that is one of the things I did notice. When I was typing away, I kept having to come away from the keyboard. And, you know, different people read differently. So, you know, some people read with their left hand, some with their right. I read with my right. So that means I have to take both hands off the keyboard to put my right hand onto the line. So you're, and then of course you have to go back to the keyboard. It's not the end of the world, but of course you know finding that you know the F and J key can be a little bit, you know, it, it takes well, a couple of extra seconds for us, right? Yeah, so yeah, anytime you got to lift your hands off the keyboard, you know, and, and lose that position, your anchor is yeah. a is a bit 
annoying. But my point is, so what is the difference then between using your, you know, your favorite keyboard and a separate just a Braille display? Because you still need to take your hands off the keys in order to fill the Braille display to actually read the Braille. So if you did have a separate Braille display, two separate devices, which you could position anywhere you liked, I mean, you still got to take your hands off the keys. Well, there's two things for me on that front. One is that you would have, I mean, in the examples I give, you're kind of, if, if you were in an office and you, you never moved from your desk, as in your, your position, your setup was always fixed, then there really is no reason why you, you can't be happy with Don't either. You? Yeah. Because you, you've got everything in one place, right? So you, you could have the, the Mantis uh, there or you could have a separate you know, keyboard and Braille display and you could even put the Braille display above the keyboard um, that you've got. So I could put my Braille disc, my Focus 40, for example, I could put it behind my Logitech here. And I'd much probably, actually, in a lot of ways, that would be even easier, right? But the problem is, if I go into a meeting, I have to take my Braille display, which has the uh, Braille input on it, and I'd have to use that as opposed to the QWERTY, which for me is slow. So it goes back to that problem where my Braille typing isn't as fast as my QWERTY. So taking accurate notes, getting information down, is just a bit more challenging. So it is for the people who want separate, I guess, two separate setups. It can just literally pick this thing up and walk out the room with it because it's, it's, it's Bluetooth, it's run by batteries. So you can, you know, pick it up and just take it into the other room, go sit somewhere else, sit on the couch and, you know, read a, a couple of emails or do what you're doing. Um, you can do all that with, you know, connected to your phone, for example. It just it gives you more options, I think, than having two separate devices. Okay, I have another question, but I'll wait for a minute and see if Tim's got you uh, got any questions. You actually took my main question, Sean, about the placement, because I would have thought that it would be easier to have it above. I, I know people that I used to work with that would have the separate Braille display, and they would usually position it above. So all they'd have to do is slide their hands up just a bit above the keyboard, feel that display, and then just run their hands back down again. So, I mean, it was it was a seamless transition. Uh, but I've also seen people that use a Braille note, which, of course, doesn't have a QWERTY keyboard from HumanWare. It does just have speech output, but Braille input. And, and so, you know, you, it, it, trying to streamline all this and say, you know what, let's just get one device that can connect to a PC or, or computer and to do all this in one. I still like the idea of it not being as proficient in Braille. I'm not sure the positioning of how it would affect me or not. I keep thinking that it would be better above. But either way, I think as long you know, having it all combined just sounds very easy. It just sounds nice. I, I think that's a brilliant question we should ask people this week. You know, what what do you think is a good position for a Braille display? Because for years, uh, Braille displays have always been below the text input part. You know, you'd actually type in. So why has that been the case? Why is that designed? Why has no one thought it? Because I, I, now you think about it, the more I'm talking about this, it would make so much more sense if everything was the other way around. Because, I mean, if I'm, if I'm sitting here with my left hand on the ASDF keys and I'm typing away... I have to just lift my right hand up. I can feel the Braille display above. That just makes so much That's more right. sense to me. Well, turn it upside down, Stephen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I now have to, so I have to be sort of reverse touch type now. Okay. Well, what about if we put the Braille cells in the middle of the keys? I mean, that's even better. Put them between the QWERTY row and the ASDF Or, or the next room. There's another. We could put them <laughs> in another planet. All right. Um, okay. Well, we'll, we'll so leave the design options. to the experts then. Yeah. But um, <laughs> my other question is, do you think that taking away the Braille keys as input is in some way taking away 
from the whole Braille process? Or, you know, if someone's learning Braille, how important is it that they should use the Braille keys for input? Is there something about the QWERTY keyboard that, I don't know, sort of detracts or lessens the, uh, someone's use of Braille? I don't know. I mean, personally for me, I would much rather prefer using a QWERTY keyboard to um, to enter text and the, uh, the Braille keys. But yeah. is that something that's, I don't know, I don't know. It's, it just feels that maybe people are, are missing out on something. Well, I don't think you could possibly learn Braille just with a QWERTY keyboard and a Braille display. I think you would have to go through the Perkins-style keyboard input route. So that's how you would learn it. And I think that's important. I still think that's important. Um because I think you need to, to understand both sides of this. I, I think some people see Braille, and I know there are people who, who learn Braille by reading. Some people learn it by writing. Some people are better at one than the other. But I think you still have to learn both because I, I don't know if that would work necessarily. I mean, don't get me wrong. You could argue, well, I could read a newspaper and maybe not be able to type. Okay, I can see that argument, but I don't know if that would work when you're learning it. If you were, as a kid, it might be different. If you were learning as a kid and then you get to the age we're at, you might think, well, I don't really bother with the input anymore. I know Braille. I have got it. It's in my head. Yeah. So I think for those people, that's fine. But for me and for someone learning, if if three of us decided, you know, let's just get together and do a Braille class together and let's learn this properly, then I think we'd be still wanting to go back to those keys so we can understand the layout. Because actually reading is is important but actually that typing has got into my head a lot more because i understand how the the letters are made up or the contractions are made up ah now that's the thing for me though i get it to understand the whole you know how the braille cells are made up i get it i get grade one mm. but as soon as i start going to grade two i get lost and it, it gets complicated and um i give up so the point it says is, more about you than it does about anyone else. Uh, well, uh, yes, it does. I'll put my hands up. <laughs> it says but more about you than it does about Braille. Doesn't the QWERTY input take away from that? And that takes away that that need for, um, you know, the grade two style of Braille input. I mean, you still need to learn it for reading, but... Well, I've heard this I, argument already, actually. Someone made the reference that they, they preferred using QWERTY input because when they were writing notes, especially for a meeting, you know, if they're in a, a meeting and they're the designated note-taker... When sending those notes around, you had to make sure the translation worked. Whereas this way, you're guaranteed that the notes will be readable by any read any reader. You know, any in Microsoft Word. You know, okay. for any sighted person, they'll be able to read this because that's the thing. It has to work both ways. Unless you're going to only use Braille, and this depends on the individual. And I'm kind of at this point where Braille for me is a reference guide. It's not something I would use necessarily, and I may never use to sit and read you know, War of the Worlds or War and Peace or any other books with the word war in the title. Yes. But what I can't, I can't think of. Um, it's very aggressive, Stephen. You can tell he's Scottish. Yeah, exactly. There's always, always something horrific involved. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm not going to use it for that function. I'm going to use it for brief notes. I'm going to use it when we're on the air. I'm going to use it for those kind of things. Um, so for me, the need is less. But for someone who's obviously going to be writing and reading, you know, lots of material for a course... It's a different requirement. So it depends on you. I think for learning, you have to learn reading and writing. That's just a given. I don't even think that should be a conversation mm. point um, because I don't know how you could learn it the other way, or, you know, one or the other that would benefit you long, long term. Um, but then I think it's important if you do have touch typing skills to keep them, and this device can and will help with that. It will help you retain those skills 
but at the same point help you to continue to read Braille. I think it's a great device. Really, really excited about it. It's uh, just launched. It's on sale uh, from Humanware, and uh, we're going to take a short break because we're way over time. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll come back. I'll give you all the details on how you can find out more about it. Uh, this is Double Tap Canada. Lots more to come, including another high-speed how-to that's, um, well, obviously taking the scenic route this week, Sean. It's six minutes long, so, yeah, not very high speed. Yeah. Sorry. And now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. Yeah, thanks for joining us this week. It is uh, Stephen Scotts. I've got uh, Sean Priest and Tim Schwartz here as well. Uh, we're talking about Braille this week because there are some new products coming out. As a result of uh, the conventions that have been ongoing, uh, you might have heard about the new Mantis Q40. Uh, that is the new Braille display. All the details and pricing is at humanware.ca. Uh, they're doing some offers as well at the moment. And uh, they also do webinars as well, which is great. So if you do have some humanware kit and you want to get the most out of it, check out humanware.ca for the very latest there. As I say, doing some uh, deals at the moment on some of their products. So you uh, might get a deal usually during convention time. That's the best way to to get that. Uh, Tim, have you been uh, checking out any of the uh, the NFB or the ACB conventions? Because they're very popular over there, aren't they? They are very popular, and this year, because of the global pandemic, they took them completely virtual, so everything has been online, using Zoom, and I've been very impressed with everything that I've uh, interacted with thus far, uh, with the ACB convention first, then NFB following it up, a lot of really good seminars and talks, and uh, the keynote address, at least uh, I didn't catch anything with nfb but the acb uh keynote was very very good so yeah i was i was intrigued to see how they were going to do this with uh everything having to be virtual but i think both organizations handled it very well yeah i'm intrigued by that i think the nfb one was very popular um they used i think zoom and an app i can't remember something compass encompass was it um and basically allowed you to um sort of take part in uh, the exhibitions, uh, you know, you can talk to people on the exhibition floor, in inverted commas. Yep. Very clever. Uh, 1.7,000 people were on, on board with that. I mean, that is amazing. It is. I mean, we just got to face the facts. I know lockdown was terrible and everything, but there are some positives to come out of it. And that is virtual conventions are so much better. That's it. Yeah, in this case, a lot more people could participate. I mean, I think exactly. there's still something to be said for an in-person, on-the-floor convention. You can meet uh, people. You only go for the parties, Tim. Maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I think there is something to be said for the socializing and getting your hands on some of the tech that's at the convention on the floor and being able to experience that. At the same time, I think going forward, integrating as much virtual as possible I think is going to be only a benefit to both organizations each year because you can now have so many more people that might not be able to actually travel to the convention, be able to participate online and listen in to different uh, talks and things. I was able to listen to Humanware present their new things and uh, you know listen to different talks about audio description and so many other things. So I think that this is a good model. And if you combine that with some sort of in-person convention going forward, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I get so sick to death of people saying to me, 
Oh, I mean, it's lockdown has been so bad and it must be awful for you not getting to all these conventions. And I'm like, actually, do you know what? I feel I'm getting out more to more yeah. places via the internet Virtually, yes. than I ever yeah. have. Um, the, the great thing is that there's no street furniture on the internet. Um, plenty of <laughs> pop-ups, but no street furniture. Um, so nothing get to around. bang my knee on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. My cane doesn't jab me in my... Uh, Stomach, my ever-growing stomach. (laughs) Oh, Um, oh, that's a sore thing, isn't it? Uh, Right, look, let's uh, get some emails because uh, lots to talk about this week. And, um, yeah, Kamal Hafar, I hope I pronounced that right, has been in touch uh, after hearing last week's episode, uh, saying, with regard to your choice of keyboards, I couldn't agree more with you. I've purchased the MX Keys keyboard for PC. Uh, It does have a wonderful feel and uh, feels solid. I landed on this keyboard after trying several keyboards, including the Logitech Ergo 860. I haven't heard of that one. Ooh, I'm looking that up. Um, uh-oh. And <laughs> thanks, oh, no. Kamal. Uh, and uh, Microsoft's ergonomic keyboard as well. Oh, I know what these split. are. These are the ones that are kind of split. I'm not a fan. Oh, yeah. I hate those. Oh, I hate those. Those are terrible. Okay. Um, well, anyway, he goes on to say it is not cheap. And uh, my only issue is that it does not have a wrist rest. Uh, which could be a drawback for something. You could buy one, in fairness. Um, sorry, Kamal. I'm just you get very defensive. <laughs> get very defensive <laughs> at the email here. Um, now, um, Sean, apparently, uh, you may disapprove of spending so much on a wrist rest. He paid twenty nine ninety five <gasps> Canadian dollars for the oh. MX wrist rest to go with the keyboard that he got, the MX Keys one. Hmm. Yeah. Can I just say... I did see, because I looked this up after your rave review last week, Stephen. Well, can I finish I, the email first? Okay, sorry. Do carry on. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me get Kamal's email out, because I, I want to just say this. So, All right. Um, he, he bit the, bo- the bullet, and he bought this, uh, this wrist rest. He said, I definitely think that Logitech should have bundled the keyboard with the wrist rest. I agree. So, yeah, anyway, you were saying. My point is that I saw with the bundle together. The MS Keys Plus comes with the wrist rest. Thank oh, you. Oh, okay. Well, for like another... Twenty nine dollars. I mean, yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For exactly the same amount of money, you can buy it and get it Probably. free. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Kamal goes on to say, I-, "I bought the Sunu Band as it was on sale at a Canadian dealer. I've not tested it yet, Ooh. but I'm still working from home. Uh, as I'm still working from home, but hopefully next week I'll be returning to the office, uh, which will be in a new building. At which point I'm going to be able to put the uh, band to the test inside the new Oof. location." I'm interested to see how it works inside. I must admit, I've not really used it that way. Again, one of the great things about the Sunu band is you can change the the distance that it picks up. You know, sort of the sensor will look. So yeah. that could be helpful. Um, uh, Tim? Are you still having a bit of a love-hate relationship with the Sunu band, Stephen? Because I know the positioning mm. of it and, and how it picks up things wasn't always maybe your... Well, Tim, can we get through the email first, please? Honestly, oh, I was polite right. and waited, and he actually called upon me, Sean. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, uh huh. Yeah, that's that's the pleasant way of doing it, Sorry. Sean. Um, I I do. I must admit, if I had a choice between the Wee Walk and the Sunu Band, which I do, um, then I'm going to go for Sunu Band because really. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I must admit, I still have a love-hate uh, relationship with it, but I prefer it because it's on the wrist away from my cane. So I still got all the benefits of the cane, but I still get the benefits on my other wrist of getting that uh, extraneous information. I still think it gives too much, but I think it is about, you know, playing with the settings 
uh, finding that distance that, that works for you. Um, it's one of those things that it will take time to get used to the Sunu band. I hope you got on well with it, Kamal. Uh, he makes another couple of points. He says, as for Outlook on iOS... I completely agree with Tim's take on the app. I much prefer writing and (laughs) responding to emails using Outlook than the native email app. I use the calendar feature and prefer it over the Outlook desktop calendar, Um, particularly for accessing other shared calendars. Yeah, that's my thing as well. Um, It works like a charm, except it can be a bit slow to load if you've got many of them. Um, And as for Microsoft Teams, it is possible you might have talked about this, but in case it has not come up, uh, he wanted to mention that Microsoft Teams for iOS is also completely accessible, in case any of the audience were wondering. Well, yeah, frankly, all of the uh, Microsoft apps are, are pretty good, except Word, which is just, yeah. Um, oh, that's strong words. Well, I I'm not a big fan of Word, but then I, I'm not a fan of any of these kind of um, apps like that. I, I prefer to just keep it really simple. I, need, I like no, Google Docs. Still using WordPerfect 6 or something? I mean, <laughs> what, what's... <laughs> word star. I don't... With yeah. JAWS... I just find it a bit fiddly. It's not terrible. Certainly on the PC side, it's brilliant. But I just find it on the on the phone. The ribbon yeah. bar was a terrible move, wasn't it? I mean, I know there's shortcuts and everything, but the ribbon bar is just... Oh, I know. But it's listen, not a good experience. Don't, don't you think, if we're honest about it, don't you think that the problem here is trying to just get text into the iPhone? That's the challenge. It's not that the, the apps have actually any, anything wrong with them. I find even typing an email on the mail client sometimes... I've got no idea where I've ended up. And if the, the screen loses focus or a notification comes in and pulls focus to that, I, I'm just lost. Yes, I agree. I don't find the, even using a Bluetooth keyboard, I don't find the experience. It just always feels a little bit clunky. Yeah, yeah, I find that. Thanks for your email, Kamal. Really appreciate that. Brian Gaff has been in touch with us as well. Uh, he sent uh, a recipe in for custard. Thank you for that, uh, Brian. <laughs> Tim, you can Tim try that. Off. That is a true <laughs> fan. I, I am impressed. Well done. Next week on Double Tap, we're all going to get together in our kitchens and we're going to make custard. That's a, th- This is what we should do next week. I'm, I'm not really going to do that. That is not no, going to happen. I'm not going to do that. My wife will not let me loose in their kitchen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but Brian says it's almost simple enough for him to do it. So there you go. He says, anyway, you can buy it ready-made. So that's, and that's often the way I go yes. as well. Um, he says, by the way, a couple of non-custard-related questions. Oof. Uh, <laughs> the scrub gesture is the only one on the phone uh, that I cannot master. Uh, I'm told it's somewhere in settings you can create custom gestures, and I thought a two-fingered left swipe does not exist anywhere, and it would be great if one could make that uh, be the undo or go back instead. Having searched, I cannot find the setting anywhere. Where is it? Go on, Tim. I know you know this one. Actually, I really like being able to change commands, and you can definitely do this. If you go into your settings under accessibility and then voiceover, look for commands, and then you'll want to look for the touch gesture commands. So there are different types of things in there you can change, but look for the touch gesture ones. And then you can actually look by heading and swipe down by heading until you hear two finger uh, commands. In there, there is the swipe left with two fingers, You, if, if that's the one you want to choose. And when you go into that, double tap on that, look for where it says escape, because at that point you're assigning what it is that you want that gesture to do. And the scrub gesture, they just have it listed as escape. So like you're hitting an escape key. And I have tried it. If you if you do that with the two finger swipe left or anything else that you want to assign it to, yeah, it does work. It actually will take you back 
a screen or a page and work just like the scrub gesture. So anybody who has trouble making that zigzag or Z pattern with their two fingers, you, you definitely can change that literally to anything you'd like. That is brilliant. I'm loving this on, on iOS that you can do this. And I've noticed in iOS 14, just taking a look at some of the beta options, although I've got to tell you, I'm running the developer edition on uh, iOS 14 at the moment or of iOS 14. And it is Awful. All the voiceover things have been broken. Nothing's really working on it at all. And it was Sean Priest who said to me a couple of weeks ago, oh, just stick it on your iPhone SE. It'll be fine. I've got it. It's great. No, it's not. It's you terrible are my and I hate pig. you. So what can I say? Thank you. Yeah, well, I've eaten way too much toilet roll. Um, I think that's what guinea pigs eat, isn't it? Um, Never buy a guinea pig, Stephen, please. <laughs> wow. Um he also Brian also goes on to talk about the Logitech K380. He says it's a nice Bluetooth keyboard, um, but if the iPhone, even if the iPhone is set to UK English and the keyboard says English, it's putting the at symbol on the number row for mm-hmm. some weird reason. Um, can this be changed, as I believe this is the US default? Uh, I'll throw that over to Tim because he'll know. <laughs> no, oh really? Actually, is that, is no, this... no, I won't. Because really, actually, I know something about UK English on a UK keyboard. <laughs> yeah, it's just that... I know a lot about the UK more than most, but I'm not sure this is my forte. It's a bit niche. All right, Tim, calm down. No, so you're right. The at symbol seems to be in the wrong place. Um, I haven't been able to find a workaround for this. I've checked the region settings under keyboard settings. I've looked all over the place. And no matter what I change or what I make sure is correctly set, it still isn't in the right place. So either this is a bug or just I don't know what else it could be. Um, But I cannot find a workaround. So if you do know how to fix this, the at sign is in the wrong place. It should not be on the number two. That's just wrong. Well, the at symbol just belongs no, with no, the number no, two. You no. shift number two. No, that's... And no, you bring up the at symbol. That's just simple. Not here. No, that's where the commas. That's where the... Not comma, what do you call it? The inverted comma. <laughs> Quotation that's marks. No, that's my pinky, my right pinky finger. What are you talking about? My oh, goodness. well, you Americans and your weird fingers. Well, we did invent the English language, so... Oh, can I edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> I do apologize. Next email, Steve. Moving on. Yes. Yeah, moving on. Um, all comments to Sean at. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so um, he, Brian also goes on to say he's turned his iOS updates off. I think that's a good idea. He's kept his app updates on for now, yes. as uh, he says the Lady A app appears to have been improved, especially for setting up a device on new Wi-Fi, which I must admit is a lot easier these days than it used to be. Um, and also, if you buy an Echo device and, and you've bought it through your Amazon account, it will actually come registered, which is even better. So you don't have to go through yeah. all the hassle. And, and, and Lady A is now hands-free on the iPhone. That just happened. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving that. Although the app has to be... On, has to be open. I imagine up front. Well, yeah, you 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 say Yo Siri, open Amazon. Oh, you said the A word Oops. though. You were oh, doing so well. So well, didn't I with Siri, uh, and then well I messed done. it up with the A word. I'll beep that out. Yeah, just oh, beep that out. Wow, yeah, bleep that. Out. Everyone will wonder what he said. Yeah, we'll be like a little game of what did Tim just say? I can't believe you said <laughs> I that. Tim. I mean, that's just such a, language. Well, I am an American, so you know. Um, yes, yeah, that's to custom. Yes, um, but no, it is nice once you have the app open. It, it does work really well. <laughs> uh, Brian makes a final point. He says, I, "I would, I just wish Apple would introduce a vibrate on power up or something." Uh, yes, because the restart uh, after it's been restarted, it's a little vague as to what you know whether it's even happened or not. 
totally agree with you, Brian. I mean, you've got no idea if it's come back on or not. Even going off when it switches off, you're not actually sure if it's done it. Um, Absolutely. And then you, because at that point, sometimes there can be a bit of a lag by the time it shuts down, then goes off, and then that's the point you can restart it. It's a bit of a nuisance at times. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more, especially if you did a recovery or something. Uh, so there's no voiceover. So you're waiting. You just got to wait until you think, okay, that's been long enough. Let me triple click the home button or the side button to turn on voiceover. We need a little vibration there. Something, yeah, because every time I do, especially doing like an iOS update, I wait and wait when it does the restart to load and install yep. the iOS update. I'm, I'm flashing the phone over to my wife or my daughter and saying, is there anything on the screen? Is it there yet? Is it on there yet? Is it loading? You know, it's like I almost need to get that's a not second. Annoying. No, that's not annoying at anybody at all. It's like I almost have to get an old phone out and call Ira or somebody to say, okay, what's on my screen? It just it shouldn't be necessary. So, no, yeah, that's, I that's think that would be great. Brian, thanks for the email. Appreciate it. Adil Mohammed's been in touch as well. He says, hi, great show. At the moment, I find out about your new shows via social media. Is your uh, podcast and your TV show able to be accessed via podcast client? I haven't been able to find it in Overcast or Castro apps on the iPhone. Uh, well, Double Tap Canada is very much there as a podcast deal, so you should be able to find it. TV, different story, though. You have to find that on YouTube. Uh, so what to do is search for AMI, Accessible Media Inc. You'll find that on YouTube, and that is where you'll get access to the latest episodes as they're pushed out every week from uh, Mark and I on the TV show. We did talk this week about the Mantis Q40, and there was another thing I'd, I talked about, which um, I, was, I was going to talk about it here on the show, but I, I got so embarrassed about it that I thought I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> oh, well, please. It's just this please most embarrass yourself, yes. Look, it's this most ridiculous thing. If you watch the TV show this week, you'll have known I've been talking about this device to clean your phone. It uses UV sanitizing light mm -hmm. to... Oh, I've changed uh, my mind. I don't want to know. Well, th this is the thing. I, I bought this. Now, there's two reasons why I bought it. One, I'm an idiot. And two, it had a wireless charger built in. I mean, come on, guys. <gasps> oh, I would have bought one too. I take it all back. It, it would have been is... better for you if it had a keyboard of some kind. <laughs> yeah. If it, if it could connect to my Mantis Q40 and I could, you know, clean my phone by a control C. Um, yeah, that could be nice. Uh, but anyway, uh, you put the phone inside this thing and it apparently cleans it. But of course, you've no real way of knowing if it's cleaned it. I mean, basically, if you don't have coronavirus by the time it's come out, then it's worked, I guess. I don't know. Trust the tech. You just trust it. You just trust it. Uses UV light to do it. Anyway, it's on the episode. You can watch it on YouTube and you can watch all episodes uh, of the TV show Double Tap TV. Find it on Accessible Media Inc. on YouTube. Uh, you can find all the details out as well at ami.ca. And if that's not enough for you, you can even check it all out on our website. So many places you can find it. Doubletap.online, where you can get access to the latest radio show. Just search for Double Tap Podcast or Double Tap TV. All that there. Um, now, he also says, uh, I like having links to products you talk about. Uh, for example, he said, I heard your smart home show and I was hearing uh, about the iBot Roomba that you've got, the vacuum cleaner, and also the Ring door, uh, video doorbell. He said it would be very handy to have some links to those. Um, I agree, mm. and I'd kind of like them to, you know, pay mm. for those links as well. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see. Maybe one day, you never know. Um, but look, I mean, you know, ultimately we will do our best to, to update the show notes as we do. Uh, who does the show notes for this program? I think it's Tim. Mm. Is it Tim? Me? Is it Tim? Um, well, is if it's really? not, it's your Tim's unaware of is this. It? 
Is it currently, Tim, Sean? Really? Currently? Sorry, I will work on adding links. There's a lot of show notes to go through. I will work on that. Sorry. Uh, look, before we go, uh, just uh, one more thing that I want to pick up on. Uh, of course, we've been talking a lot about iOS 14, and if you want to get ahead of the game and, and try out some of the features, I think on the public beta they're a bit more stable than on the developer betas, which fine. is fair enough. Um, it's fine. Well, yeah, exactly. It's fine for you guys, but for you know people like me who are partly important, <laughs> not really. Um, you know, then it's it's great. If you're a developer, I, I swear I was building apps. I I don't even know how to start. I can barely open an app. Never mind, build one. But yeah, anyway, I've got the developer edition for some reason, and um, yeah, I've been mucking around with it. But if you want to try iOS 14, you now can. And as part of a two-part series, in other words, he made the feature too long, so we split it over two weeks. Uh, we're going to start uh, with uh, installing the iOS beta, uh, and next week we'll focus on uh, uninstalling it, should it all go horribly wrong. So what you're saying, Sean, is that you'll happily help someone install the new beta, but if they hate it and they want to roll back, they've got to wait till next week. Is that what you're saying? Um, yes, I guess so. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it would be called a high-speed how-to, but it's too long, so it's a how-to from Sean. Hello. Today, I'm going to show you how to install the public beta of iOS. Ooh. But more importantly, I'm also going to show you how to get rid of it and go back to the previous non-beta version of iOS if you have any problems. Okay, let's find those bugs. We're only bugging. When software is released for beta testing, it means that the developers are pretty sure that all the major bugs have gone and it's stable enough for people to try out. With that said, beta software will always have smaller bugs or bugs that the developers have missed. And that's where we, as beta testers, come in. In this case, you can install the public beta version of iOS and report back to Apple any bugs, problems or issues that you find. Then hopefully, they'll all be fixed before the final release. Of course, it's very important that you realize there may be a risk to using beta software. Your device could crash randomly, the battery could run down really quickly, or you could lose data. So it shouldn't be taken lightly. And definitely don't install beta software on a device you rely on daily. Now, if you still want to give it a go, here's how. Actually, it's surprisingly easy to get a public beta version of iOS. Whoa, 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 okay, okay, I know we're all excited here, but let's just take a minute, take a breath. Because yes, it's easy to install the beta of iOS, but before we do anything, it's important that you back up your device. That way, if you do hit any problems, you can simply restore from that backup and your phone will be back to how it was before you started. Now, if you're unsure of how to back up your device, then really I would suggest probably don't do the beta test. But to make an iCloud backup of your device, open Settings, double tap on your Apple ID at the top, swipe down until you find a list of all your Apple devices and double tap on the device you want to back up. Double tap on iCloud Backup and finally double tap on Backup Now. Whew. Okay, you still want to do it? All right then. Grab the iPhone you want to install the beta software on, open Safari and go to this website, beta, that's B-E-T-A, dot apple, dot com, slash profile. That's P-R-O-F-I-L-E. 
When that page loads, you'll be asked to sign in to your Apple ID. You can quickly do this just by using your Touch ID or Face ID. Then swipe through the web page until you get to the Download Profile link. When you double tap on this link, you'll get this pop-up. Alert! This website is trying to download a configuration profile. Do you want to allow this? Double tap on Allow, and when it's done, which usually takes only a few seconds, you'll hear this. Alert! Profile downloaded. Review the profile in Settings app if you want to install it. Cool! So far, so good. So we've downloaded a configuration profile from Apple. But what does that do? Well, basically, it just tells your device that hey, you're now in the beta testing program. You can download beta software. But before we can get to that point, we need to install the profile. So far, we've only downloaded it. So close that pop-up and open Settings. Just underneath your Apple ID at the top of the settings, you should see this profile downloaded button. Double tap here to enter the profile screen. Oh, and you can also manage your profiles by going to General Settings and swipe through until you find Profiles. Anyway, in the Profile screen, you will see details of the profile you're going to install: iOS 14 and iPadOS 14 beta software profile, beta software profile, Apple Link. In the top right corner of the screen, you'll find an Install button. Double tap here to uh, install this profile. You'll be asked to enter your passcode, and once you do, installation will start. It only takes a few seconds, and when it's finished, you'll find a Done button again in the top right corner of the screen. Done button, and that's it. We're ready to go. When you double tap on the Done button, it should take you to General Settings. Swipe through until you get to Software Update. Double tap, and you should see the latest public beta version of iOS ready to download. Software update. This beta software is now available. Once you download and install the beta version of iOS, if you do find any bugs, problems, or issues, you can report them directly back to Apple using the included feedback app. Okay, so we've installed the beta version. Hooray! But what if we don't like it? Or what if there's a bug or an issue that makes it difficult for us to use the device? Well, don't panic. There is a way back. Well, thank you for that, Sean. And uh, yes, we'll be following up next week with how to uninstall it once you've realised it's terrible. I'm only kidding. Oh, it's fine. And if you can't wait, you'll find the entire feature, how to install an iOS beta and how to roll back to a non-iOS beta on the website. Go to doubletap.online and go to the how-to section. Oh, you're so ahead of yourself, aren't Mm -hmm. you? So giving. <laughs> oh well, listen. Uh, it's been great as always, guys. Catching up, and uh, we're going to do this again next week. Maybe we should get into the, the kitchen next week and use some accessible no. tech to make custard. Ooh. Tim, you're up for that, aren't you? Sure, I've got a talking measuring cup and and talking scale. We could we could have some fun. Sure, Tim I can do it. Should. Right, tell you what, we sh- I think we should. We should make some custard next week during the show. And, Sean, you stay in the shed. Yes. Um, because I don't think anybody would let you near a uh, I'm happy a with that. That's good. Yeah, let's do so that. So is his wife. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, listen, that's it for the show this week. If you want to get in touch, uh, who shall we put in charge of the email this week? I think we'll – and only this is because I'm, I know you'll forget the phone number. Uh, Sean, uh, what's the email address? The email address is feedback at ami.ca. And the number to call, Tim? You expect me to remember. Let's see here. I believe <laughs> I believe it's 1-866-509-4545. You remembered well. And remember, you've got to tell us 
that you're happy for us to use your voicemail. Otherwise, we cover those guys in custard, and we will have custard next week that we can email to Sean and to Tim and to me uh, from each of us. And uh, this is not getting weird at all, uh, but we'll then pour it all over ourselves. What a bizarre end to the show. Happy custard day, and uh, catch you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. For more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. Snoring detected. Activating Double Tap alarm. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.